Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Welcome back. Final hour of the week here on OutKick 360 on the OutKick network. And we are live in our 6th and Peabody studios, downtown Nashville, with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Alongside Paul Kuharski, I am Chad Withrow. And each and every week on Friday, we talk some balls, football, and SEC with VolQuest.com's Austin Price. Now, Austin's got his background blurred right now. But I was surprised to see before he blurred his background that there's no Christmas tree up. Well, we could see it even blurred. We would see we would green see and the lights tinsel. and the green and the deck, all the deck, all of it, all the accoutrement would be on accoutrement. the the, the, uh, the wow. Christmas tree. So Austin, um, why are you slacking so much? It's August. Come on, it's Get almost Christmas time. I don't know. My wife's right over here. I, I should ask her why she's why she's slacking. She's <laughs> yeah. the one who always puts them up. Yeah, Austin's like, you know, it's it's football season. It's camp. I'm a little busy. Maybe get this Christmas tree up behind me before next week when I join these guys. Uh, it is a busy time for the Vols right now, Austin. And you've been covering practice. I know they had a scrimmage. Um, Josh Heupel, a former quarterback. Typically, former quarterbacks are very tough on their quarterbacks when they become a coach. And they're sparing with their praise of their quarterbacks. I don't know that Josh Heupel has been someone that's sparing of praise. But, boy, did he go really over the top when he talked about Hendon Hooker's performance and his control operationally of what Tennessee's trying to do. Yeah, very happy with, with Joe Milton as well. Um, and for, for a true freshman, happy with Haven Jackson. I think, on the whole, Coach Heupel is very pleased with uh, where things are. They're just so much further along than they were a year ago, and you'd expect them to be. Year two in the program, stability with the coaching staff, um, you know, a lot more playmakers this year than a year ago. Now, that don't mean they don't have questions, because they do, but you know, it all starts and ends at that quarterback position, Chad, and, and Hendon Hooker uh, carries himself like the starter. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the one-two punch between he and Milton, as far as, like, pure experience, you'd have to say Tennessee's got one of the better quarterback rooms in the country um, just based off of, of experience alone. Austin, they're talking about playing faster this year in year two now that they're getting more accustomed Impossible. to the offense. That was my question. I don't know what that looks like because when they were humming last year, I, I don't know if you can snap it any quicker than right when the, you know, the, the umpire comes off the football uh, or the, the ref comes away and says it's okay to snap it. How much quicker can they go? You know, I think they can go a little bit faster, um, you know, but I, I think ultimately the biggest thing is just being efficient. Um, you know, can they be more efficient? Can they not have those, you know, kind of, you know, sputtering times where they fall into getting so fast that, you know, the, it probably hurts them a little bit. I, I think the efficiency is just as important as the speed 
But, you know, they love the tempo. The tempo is what makes them uh, tough to defend. The tempo is why, you know, you see all these schools like Ole Miss and others laying on the ground trying to, you know, give their defense a chance to breathe. Um, you know, and so you're going you're gonna to continue to see the speed ratcheted up. How much faster can they go? I'm not even sure you'll notice it. Um, but technically, I'm sure they can go a few seconds faster. It's just things I just don't think the common fan's going to pay. And, and even the common media person's not going to really notice. Oh, man, they got that. And that drive was 116. Last year it was 119. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think you're going to truly notice the difference itself. I mean, it's kind of like a NASCAR uh, you know, a car going around the speedway. Can you really tell it's going 191 instead of 189? I mean, you know, fast is fast. You guys list about a half dozen guys who are who are out. Any you see any long range injury concerns out there? No, I don't. Um, you know, when you when you look at this team, you know, Brew McCoy's been limited. Uh, you know, the last you know few practices. The bigger concern for him is more the eligibility part uh, after the transfer from Southern Cal. Continue to be reiterated to me that. Uh, you know that all things point towards getting uh, some positive news on that front sometime in the next week or so. Um, you know, they've they've had, you know Miss Squirrel White. He's got a little bit of a, 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 a small ankle deal, but he should be back sooner rather than later. Um, Jalen Wright is right on pace. Don't think he'll scrimmage coming up on Sunday. Think he'll probably be held out of that, but should be a full go for full contact. He started to return to. A lot of the periods he's not been participating in that are not full contact uh, the last couple of practices, expect him to be back for full contact sometime in the next uh, seven days or so. Austin Price, VolQuest.com. Our guest, Austin, where are we at left tackle right now with, with Tennessee? And what – I know you weren't there for the scrimmage, but what you're hearing about the scrimmage and where that position may be at this moment. Well, I think what you're going to see is both guys play against Ball State and see like when the live bullets start flying, how they handle themselves. J.J. Crawford, Gerald Mincy, um, Crawford got the run with the first team, so to speak, in the scrimmage, and then Mincy went in, um, you know, with, with other starters as well uh, later in the scrimmage. It's a two-man race. They both have done things the staff really likes. They both have some room to grow. And so I think that's why this this competition, so to speak, will carry itself into the season because I think, you know, they feel good about, you know, some things that each of the guy, guys do. But at the same time, you know, it's different when you're not, you know, going against yourself, when you're, when you're going against a defense that's scheming you, trying to attack, you know, certain weak points. You know, how do you handle that in the framework of a game? I think that's why you'll see both guys play, and then it'll start to work itself out at Pitt and so on and so forth. How much better is Jeremy Banks at linebacker, and how much of that is just him growing into the position and, and learning it more and more for a guy that spent most of his time at running back when he, when he got to Tennessee? Yeah, I, I think he's just going to grow. I mean, when you think back, when he first got here, Chad, he was new to the position. Then you have the COVID year. I mean, I think when you look back – three, four years from now, you're going to see a lot of players that developed a little bit slower because of the COVID year um, at the high school level, the college level, maybe even at the pros. Um, you know, so, I mean, like you factor in the COVID year and then he started to get some traction last year, had that massive amount of tackles. I expect him to be really uh, locked in this year. I expect him to have a big year. Um, he's put on weight. 
he, he, he really is, uh, I think, bought into what uh, Coach Brian Jean-Marie has uh, been preaching. And I think he sees this as a contract year. I really do. I think he sees himself going out, balling out, having a big year, and heading off to the NFL. And, uh, you know, I, I think that he's really motivated to have a big year. And, and really, when you look at it, you know, I, I think he's, he's got a real opportunity to because I think Tennessee's going to be better at linebacker this year, which means that not all the pressure will be on Jeremy Banks. There'll be other players because I think they're better with Jawan Mitchell. I think Aaron Beasley's a year better. And I think Elijah Herring helps this team sooner rather than later, the true freshman from Murfreesboro. Willie Martinez talking about rolling guys through and, and not really having first, second, thirds at, at corner and DB. Um, did you make of that what he says, or is there a little bit of not having clear top guys there yet? Well, I, you know, to be honest with you, I, I think that I believe everything he says about how they want to recruit like versatility. Like they want, they don't want just a safety or just a corner. They want guys that can play kind of all over the all over the back end. Now, what I do also buy is the fact that I'm not sure that they have any locked in guys because to me they have a lot of quality bodies. I wouldn't call any of them like premier corners or premier safeties, but there are a lot of solid players and there's a, a lot more on this team than they had a year ago. When you think about where they are with D. Williams, Christian Charles, Warren Burrell, Kamal Haddon, Brandon Turnage, um, Wesley Walker, Andre Turrentine, uh, and I'm inevitably going to leave people out to Marion McDonald. Um, you know, you got the safeties, you know, um, Jalen McCullough, Trayvon Flowers. I mean, like, there's a lot of players that you could conceivably see start games this year. All the ones I just named, I think, can be a starter at some point this year, which tells you they've got a lot of depth. Now they're going to figure out where do all the pieces go? Who's your star? Right now, Tamarion McDonald is the leader to be the star. You know, Kamal Haddon's got to get back on the practice field. I think I've, everybody had him kind of penciled in to start at corner, but if he don't go through fall camp, it's going to be hard to start him at corner. Christian Charles, the staff loves his versatility. D. Williams, they love how much he's kind of grown from spring to now. Warren Burrell was a starter a year ago. Trayvon Flowers, Jalen McCullough, the starters a year ago. Where does Brandon Turnage fit in? I mean, a lot of bodies all over that that secondary. They've just got to start to fit the pieces in and try to complete the puzzle. Well, if I'm looking at last year's team, Austin, if I had to say the biggest negative about the defense to me was they were pretty slow in the secondary uh, for a lot of the season, and that, that really caught up to them. And I'm talking about Jalen McCullough and, and Trayvon Flowers, guys with a ton of experience and have been there a while and, and they've been in different systems and they have the SEC playing experience, but they looked a step slow. Um, are those guys faster this year? Have they added speed to the secondary? Because I think that may have been their biggest downfall on third down a lot of times last year was they just lacked speed in the secondary. Yeah, that and they just got worn down playing so many snaps. When when you're naturally aren't super fast and then you get worn down because you're having to be on the field so much because your offense plays so fast, um, it, it's kind of a catch-22. And so, yeah, I, I do think that Jalen McCullough is a step faster. Does that translate to more success? I don't know. I think a lot of that will depend on – when the live bullets start flying out there uh, September 1st on that on that Thursday night, and then really the following week when they start playing Pittsburgh, which is a, another Power 5 opponent who is preseason ranked 16th in the coaches' poll. So, you know, uh, for me, I, I just don't think we, – we don't see enough in practice. I, I like to be transparent about that. Like anybody – what we see is such a small sample size. 
Um, you know, the, the biggest thing for me is, is what's going on, you know, when we're not out there and talking to sources, talking to people in the program, who's doing well, this or that. You know, D. Williams has had a, a really good week on the practice field. He's really coming on. He's starting to push. They really like Christian Charles. But you're right. How much faster can they get a safety? I have a tough time seeing it not being Trayvon Flowers and Jalen McCullough. But at the same time, I'm not sure the staff's going to do anything to the detriment of the team to where the, if somebody else has, you know, got more speed and can play the position at a, at a quicker tempo and a faster pace, they won't be in there. Austin, I'm amazed at how the – Two VOLS signs on the outside of Neyland Stadium. Terrific. Make it look so much better. Paul and I were talking about this yesterday, and we're thinking about what are some little aesthetic tweaks you could make to different ballparks or stadiums that would make it look that much better. But it looks great. Uh, where are we right now in terms of renovations in Neyland Stadium being on time for that opener here in a few weeks against Ball State? Well, you, you, you've got the, the chairbacks going in and the, the lower west club. Um, I think that's going to be a neat area because, you know, if you're sitting down there, you can go down underneath and, you know, kind of, you know, be inside and get your, you know, popcorn and Coke or whatever you want to go get. Um, you know, and then I think the party deck's going to be really neat up top with the second Jumbotron. So all that is on pace. Um, you know, I, you know, are they going to have every I dotted and T cross come September 1st? I don't know. I think all the major things that have been done will be completed, but, you know, will, will there be like small little things that they'll have to kind of get fixed between September 1st and the Akron game two weeks later? I mean, maybe. I mean, things that you're not going to see or notice, uh, but I think all the major attractions for the stadium upgrades will be a full go come September 1st. Austin, I know you wrote about a couple of dates for Tennessee fans to keep in mind in terms of recruiting with a couple of announcements coming off the board here very soon it's been a little bit quiet lately after a frenetic pace for a while so what are those two dates who should tennessee be watching out for here making announcements soon but sunday and monday and um you know you, you have ricky gibson kid from hewitt trustville down near birmingham uh tennessee and georgia like where tennessee's at for him heading into that sunday announcement uh, sometime right around the lunch hour 12 1 o'clock um you know, depending on where you live, um, or the time change. And then uh, Monday, three Eastern, two Central, Jordan Matthews will come off the board, Tennessee and Texas and Michigan, but I really don't count the Michigan Wolverines. I think it's Tennessee or Texas. And most people, when you, like I put in the war room, when you when I view it from a thousand feet above, all signs point to Texas. But, you know, in recruiting, the common rule is a kid from Baton Rouge is going to go where, Chad? LSU. LSU, right? Well, he's not going to LSU. Um, they were a little slow, and then when they picked up the pace, he didn't just cave to the hometown Tigers. Um, you know, and his dad played there. But I mean, they, that, I, you know, that one just doesn't feel like he's ever going to end up at LSU, in my opinion. Um, you know, so he's the exception to that rule. Well, when you the other rule in recruiting is you follow the visits. Well, he's been to Texas about five times. He's been to Michigan once, Tennessee once. So the rule would be he's going to Texas. Well, I think he could be the exception to the rule there, too. We'll see. Um, I think Tennessee's way more in play than people uh, nationally realize. But to me, it's a two-team race, Tennessee or Texas, and everybody will find out coming up uh, Monday afternoon. Austin, what did you make of the slight back and forth between John Calipari and Mark Stoops over whether or not Kentucky is a football or basketball school? 
and Mark Stoops fighting for his program and their success recently. And also, what did you make of Tennessee's response to that, to tweet something out about you know being about all sports at Tennessee? Well, I mean, all schools should take advantage of that, just like schools took advantage of the fact that Tennessee was under NCAA investigation a year ago. I mean, like you, you have to take advantage of when school when, when your opponents have little hiccups. I thought it was incredibly stupid on John Calipari's part. Um, I thought it was, you know, the right thing to do for Coach Stoops to to, to fire back. I think it puts Kentucky in a, in a weird spot. I mean, it'll all you know, it'll all get handled. At at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, each school probably does have a, a a sport or two that you know probably ends up you know being the favorite of fans. But you know, listen, and fans just want to win. You don't think Tennessee fans in baseball were coveting going to the College World Series this year and trying trying to make a run before they got put out? Basketball, same thing. I mean, like, you know, if you're a fan of the school, you just kind of go from one season to the next. Um, you know, it, it goes from football into basketball, basketball into baseball, and then baseball into, you know, the lake before football <laughs> starts again. So, you know, I mean, I, I just, again, I, incredibly dumb on on Coach Calipari's part, in my opinion, to put himself in that position, to put to put Kentucky football in that position, Kentucky athletics in general in that position. I, I just, it just wasn't smart. I, you know, I, and I get, I mean, he's, he, he, he's a big fan of his program as he should be just like coach Stoops should be proud of what they've done at Kentucky football, making them relevant, getting to 10 wins and so on and so forth. And, and, you know, I have no problem with him firing back. He probably should have fired back because ultimately I think you look weak if you don't defend your players when you've been out there recruiting them for the last several years. Where was he in this interview? I don't know if you've seen the video. I watched it today. It looks like he's just in his living room with a T-shirt on, and he's got mics around him like it's a press conference. Like me? Yeah, it's like it's like Austin Price's den, and it's just John Calipari just leaned back, talking into a microphone. Because someone tweeted that you really need to understand the context of what he was saying. And I watched the video. I'm thinking, it's exactly as it read. I mean, everything well, and, and, and in the, quote, the, the context was exactly the same. That That's what I think everybody did. Everybody assumed when they saw it. Surely somebody cherry-picked some comments, yeah. and it just looks worse than it actually was. And then you go and watch it, and you're like, no, nope, it's exactly what it was. Uh, I, again, I, I just don't understand the logic in saying, even if you even if you think that, even if you say that privately to donors, hey, we're a basketball school. And, you know, we love what Coach Stoops is doing. But you know, Kentucky is 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 Coach Rupp, Coach Patino, Coach Smith. You know, Final Fours, national championships. You still don't say that out loud. You know, I mean, like, it just, yeah. Well, I just don't think I, I it think helps. Any, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody. The gist of what he was saying it really gets down to this. He has the line about, "Hey, I, I'm all for them getting ten wins and winning a bowl game, and doing the things they've done." The hidden undercurrent of that is if I have the equivalent of that in a basketball season, you're disappointed because Kentucky basketball, the goal is Final Four National Championship every single season, and anything less is going to be disappointing. You are thrilled in doing backflips when our football team gets nine or ten wins, and you're happy with that. And he's right when he says it. Still shouldn't say it publicly. (laughs) Well, if you're John Calipari, because I mean, no. we all know that and understand it. You, you, he basically said, in so many words, football season's just a bridge to get to November and basketball season. Yeah, I mean that that that's basically what he said in so many words. Here's what I know: if 
Kentucky basketball had lost to Tennessee basketball at Rupp, Kentucky fans would have left Rupp ready to fire Cal. Kentucky fans watched Tennessee have the ball for four seconds against Kentucky last year and win the game. And I watched them walk out of the stadium because I was doing a hit on the CBS affiliate here in Knoxville. And it was like, oh, well, it was a good uh, – did you have a good time tonight? Yeah, it was a good time. I'm just telling you, like, the mentality would have been vastly different had it been basketball. And and, and I think that's what Coach Cal is trying to speak to. You still just can't say that out well, loud because it. it doesn't help you. Not at all. Austin, um, we got to get that Christmas tree up next week if you, if you join us then. So let's work on that. Your wife is slacking. Someone in your household slacking. I know you're very busy at practice every day, so make sure she gets up the Christmas decorations. I mean, decorations, it's August please. 12th. Come on. What are you waiting on here? We're waiting on August 32nd. <laughs> Austin, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Austin Price, VolQuest.com. Always fun talking some football with him. We'll take a quick break. We come back. We're going to draft. We're going to draft those that we think are in line to get fired by their current NFL team. That's next. This is Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Oh yes, we are back. Outkick 360 on the Outkick Network, live from our downtown Nashville studios with 6th and Peabody. Big thanks to everyone listening on the radio network today, watching. Mentioned it earlier, but you can now watch and watch at outkick.com, right at the top of the page, top right corner. You can see the show, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Wherever you are, we want to be with Outkick 360. And where the coaches that we're about to talk about want to be is still coaching their NFL teams next year. Not this season, but next season. So we decided that we are going to have a lot of talk about hot seat in college and NFL. We wanted to put together a draft of coaches most likely to get canned either this season or after this season in the NFL. 
Paul, I think this is a constructive exercise. Yes, yes. So, uh, shall we? Shall yes. we begin? Um, I think you won the flip. I, I won the coin flip before the show. Which I regret. So I will, I will draft first, and I think that the number one pick on this list, to me at least, as someone that's drafting number one right now, I'm going to go with who I think is the obvious, and that is Matt Rule at Carolina. Clear cut number one. Panthers head coach Matt Rule, 10-23 and 23 in his tenure in Charlotte. Um, obviously, a lot of questions about quarterback. They're bringing in Baker Mayfield. Uh, if it does not go well, he had to fire his offensive coordinator a year ago, uh, midseason. If it does not go well early, things are going to get late quickly for Matt Rule in Carolina. They're putting all their eggs in the Baker Mayfield basket. We'll see if that works out. Matt Rule, to me, most likely to get fired first this NFL season. Paul, you have the second pick. Yeah, with the second pick, Paul Kuharski drafts Mike McCarthy of Dallas Cowboys. Someone you love because of his references on hard knocks. Yeah, I think I'll immediately regret this pick. Um, I, I don't think Jerry Jones will fire him during the season. They were 12-5 and five last year. They won the division. They lost a wild card game. They don't win in the playoffs, and they don't get to the playoffs often enough. They were out of the playoffs for two years before they lost this wild card game. Uh, I think he's got to have ants in his pants. He's dying to get another Super Bowl as an owner. Um, Sean Payton's out there. I think he wants Sean Payton. I don't know how much it helps him to fire McCarthy and have an interim um, off of his staff. But I, I think if things go badly, and I can imagine that happening, that he won't be able to resist. So you're combining the itchy trigger finger of Jerry Jones with Mike McCarthy's track record. I, I don't think that's, I don't think it's unreasonable at all that Mike McCarthy be second on this yeah, list. Yeah, but you're going to make a better pick, pick than that here. I'm gonna I, go, I regret. I'm going to go with the third overall pick. I'm going with uh, Coach McDreamy. Cliff Kingsbury of the Arizona Cardinals. Old Cliffy is 24-24-1 in three seasons with the Cardinals. With the start they got off to, they were the last unbeaten team in the NFL. They had a free fall late in the season. They had a terrible, he had a terrible performance in the playoff game. Um, that is not going to cut it. This is a very talented roster. They should be getting better results than they are. He's got one playoff appearance. Lost in game number one to the Rams this past, uh, this past NFL playoffs. Uh, it's a big season. It's a big season for Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray better be doing his homework and studying to make sure he gets that requisite amount of study time in his contract. It's a huge season for Cliff Kingsbury. He's my third overall pick for most likely to get fired midseason or right after the season. That's a good pick. The only protection there is he just got a new deal. But uh, things are, we agree things are going south well, um, in and, the and Southwest. Without Hopkins also, that's going to make things 16. tougher on him, tougher on, on Kyler Murray also. I'm going to go to our nation's capital uh, and select Ron Rivera of the Washington Commanders. Look, it's a messy franchise. Underperformed defensively last year. He just fired a defensive line coach like a week and a half into training camp. Um, they want us to believe everything is tidied up with their front office mess. I would like to think that uh, 
Dan Snyder is thinking that better football can distract everyone from their off-field mess. And I'm not sure we're going to get better football because their quarterback is a guy named Carson Wentz, who um, you just can't count on. He inspires so much confidence based on hard knocks in season last year. Really a guy that gets the troops fired up and going oh, yeah. is Carson Wentz. So if you're Great hitching, commander, if you're leader hitching, of men. If you're hitching your wagon to him, I think you're hitching your wagon to danger. And I think Ron Rivera's a good coach and a good man, but uh, I think that organization is kind of a tinderbox. Yeah, I like that. I like that pick. Number five, uh, this is one that I'm going to say right now, and I'm, I'm going – I don't regret this pick – but the wording of how it's going to end there, I think, is going to be different than fired. I'm going with Pete Carroll of the Seattle Seahawks. Look, Pete Carroll has had a hell of a run as Seahawks coach. These are his seasons as Seahawks coach. Took the job in 2010. He went 7-9, 7-9, back-to-back years. This is when the fun started. 11-5, 13-3, 12-4, 10-6, 10-5, 9-7, 10-7, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 12 and 4 in 2020, and then 7 and 10 this past season. They trade away Russell Wilson. They don't have a franchise quarterback on that roster right now. I don't think that Pete Carroll is going to quote unquote get fired this season, but I'm taking him in this spot because I can see a scenario where he gets forced out as they start to plan a different future in Seattle that will involve a new quarterback and very well could involve a new head coach. Here's the other thing. They're going to be terrible. I mean, this could be a 3-14, and 2-15 type terrible team for Seattle this year. I think that'll speed things up also. So while Paul, I don't think he's going to be quote-unquote fired, this could be a retirement, I think that he is likely to get forced out this year because of the direction they're going to want to go with their future. And he's my fifth pick. My pick at number six is a guy who um, he's, he's got to get his team on track here and he's got to get him into the playoffs. Um, if he does so, he's safe. I, I think if they're short of the playoffs, he's in trouble. And I think if they have a bad year, he's got to be in big trouble. It's Frank Reich in Indianapolis. Um, you know, they took his word on Carson Wentz last year, and it was a disaster. Now they've done better than they could have expected with the replacement in Matt Ryan, who's old, who's, who's not going to be the Matt Ryan of the glory days of the uh, Atlanta Falcons, should be good enough to get them there. But the AFC is stacked. And um, Jim Irsay's put a lot of faith into the Chris Ballard-Frank Reich duo. If he does not get results this year, I could see patience running out. Paul, I thought long and hard about taking Frank Reich uh, where I took Pete Carroll. Uh, I think this is a great pick. Um, I think that he is overrated at this point in his career. And if they free fall after the Carson Wentz deal backfired and now they free fall with Matt Ryan and they're not as competitive for a playoff spot as we think or as competitive – In that division, I think that's a good name to go with. The seventh pick in our first coach to get fired draft, NFL draft. This one may surprise people, but Todd Bowles of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, he's in his first year. 
But also, yes, he's in this position because it appears, appears that Tom Brady and Bruce Arians had some sort of falling out, and Tom Brady wanted him out. So Bruce Arians gone, Todd Bowles elevated, the head coach in Tampa. Tom Brady taking two weeks away from training camp for reasons we don't know that were apparently discussed with Todd Bowles before training camp started. If they don't go big and big quickly, because expectations are Super Bowl when Tom Brady is your quarterback and you've already won one of them in Tampa, if things fall off this season from Bruce Arians to Todd Bowles, this could be a very quick head coaching tenure for Todd Bowles in Tampa. Obviously, things weren't great with the Jets in his previous head coaching gig. I'm drafting Todd Bowles for that reason. Not because I think he's a bad coach, not because I think any of that would be fair, but because of the circumstances around him getting that job with Brady and Arians and Brady being out on Arians and him being gone. Well, I also have Byron Leftwich as the offensive coordinator who was a candidate to some degree ready to well, he was to become a, the CEO. Apparently the front runner for the Jacksonville job too and didn't want it. Wanted to stay in Tampa instead of taking the Jacksonville head coaching gig. Final pick here, I'll go to the most dysfunctional organization in the league and to a first year head coach. Uh so we're back, we're finishing with back-to-back first year head coaches um in their second chances. Lovey Smith. Um uh, it'd be crazy for Houston to fire Lovey Smith uh, during the season, anyway. But um, you know, look, Lovey Smith was not the guy they were targeting when they made a change here from David Cully. Um, and so, if Lovey Smith does is not do exactly what they're envisioning, not just in terms of improving the win loss department, but in terms of of the culture and the way they win. Um, Nick Casario could very well, and he seems entrenched there under Cal McNair and Easterby, do another move. And it could be two one-year coaches in a row and them going outside, which is what they should have done when they made this hire, and finding somebody else. Paul, I don't know a lot about Carolina's coaching staff, uh, but I look at Matt Rule and I think that, that could be a quick hook. I don't look at any other names in this list and think they're getting fired right in the middle of the season, for instance, right? Most of these would be late, late season, right after the final game type firings. Ben McAdoo is the offensive coordinator. Phil Snow is the defensive coordinator. I can't imagine you're excited about Ben McAdoo becoming your head coach in Carolina. Yeah. I don't know who's on the staff. I don't have that in front of me. I would agree with you. I, I think it's hard. Maybe Kingsbury if things go – completely south as in season. The one thing about the in season that we thought might accelerate firings in the last month of the season is that you can, if you do make a move, begin to talk to candidates after your, your position becomes vacant. Uh, So it gives you a head start, but we didn't see that turn into much last year with the teams that did have uh, early departures. See, I think you fire a coach in the season if you are so early in the season that you feel like you have a roster that can turn it around and do something 
and you think it's the attitude around the coach that's dragging you down, so you make the move to change the fortunes of your team, or you do it mid-late season because there's a guy you almost want to try out on staff or give them a chance to be the interim head coach. Here's an example. If Joe Brady worked out as offensive coordinator, as a guy everybody loved at LSU when he was calling plays there and he wasn't fired midseason last year, if the offense is doing well but you don't like your head coach and Joe Brady as a young guy is on your staff, you fire him in mid-October, you know, late October, to give that guy a shot at the main gig. But so, outside of that, I don't really see I the reason. I agree with you that Rule's the, the number one guy here, but part of the reason you'd be firing Rule is because he hired Ben McAdoo as his offensive coordinator. So now we need to look deeper on the staff, staff for who would be the interim. I also think the first thing that happens in Carolina, if things are going badly, is you probably change quarterback. So say the first month goes terribly and Baker Mayfield's the quarterback. Well, then I think you get a second month with Sam Darnold as quarterback, and now you're halfway through the season. Um, so I don't know. But I, I agree, he's, he's number one. And I would think he's probably gone after Thanksgiving. It is 4.41 p.m. Central Time, 5.41 Eastern. We are an hour and 19 minutes away from Cleveland taking on Jacksonville in the preseason. No news? is. We still have no word on uh, Deshaun Watson on what the league's going to do with that appeal. And here's another story that's not been broken yet. What's going on with Tom Brady, which quite frankly surprised me a little bit. I thought some reporter would have it by now. We don't know either of those things. We'll discuss both. And also, I need advice on how to underhand pitch a softball from 35 feet away from the plate because I'm finding it to be very difficult. And I've got a softball team to prepare for a dominant season, hopefully. That's all coming up next in our final segment of the week with Outkick 360. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Final segment of the week on Outkick 360. Chad Withrow, Paul Kaharski with you. Jonathan Hutton, we'll welcome him back on a Monday. Um, big props, by the way, to Colin Warner, our executive producer of our radio network, going to um, Red Hot Chili Peppers tonight at Nissan Stadium. I was surprised to hear they're going to be at Nissan Stadium, not Bridgestone Arena. So that, that'll be a cool show, Paul. Have you ever seen Red Hot Chili Peppers? I have not. They're not amongst my favorites, though I'd be curious if I you know, had a freebie, but... Yeah, I imagine tickets are quite pricey. But I'm always excited when I see somebody going to see one of their favorites because I know how excited I get when I'm going to see one of my favorites. By the way, I just made up that that uh, title. I don't. That may be. I may have nailed it. That may be his title. What Executive title? producer of what the is Outkick your, what 360 is your title? Radio Network. Homeboy. Yeah, homeboy. homeboy. He said, I like that. 
Homeboy Colin Warner headed to Red Hot Chili Peppers tonight. I do that often. I just I just throw out a title and hope that it sticks. Um, news coming down from Lexington. Kentucky AD Mitch Barnhart has said that he will be available to talk with media tomorrow. Mark Stoops is already scheduled to hold a press conference that day since the football team has a scrimmage that morning. So the presser is still on, but Mitch Barnhart has added himself to the press conference where He's I'm sure settle this thing once he is going to be asked about uh, football versus basketball at Kentucky. And there's going to be some sort of kumbaya, rah-rah moment uh, between the athletic department directed by the athletic director. So, Paul, uh, it's we've got a few minutes left in the show. We've got an hour before kickoff. Still nothing on Deshaun Watson, which leads me to believe there's not going to be anything to break in the next hour. That means we're going to see Deshaun Watson against Trevor Lawrence tonight. We are. That, uh, that will be interesting. Um, I don't think the league likes it, but I, I – you know, so what? It's a preseason game. Uh, they tell us in numerous ways how irrelevant it is. So they're going to have to accept the irrelevance of him playing tonight um, in the big picture. So uh, the other news out there, obviously, Tom Brady yesterday taking uh, some time away for personal reasons. No one's reported yet what those personal reasons are. He's going to be away for two weeks from the Bucks camp, not coming to Nashville next week to take part in joint practices with the Titans. Will not participate in this weekend's preseason game against the Dolphins. Will not participate in next weekend's preseason game against the Titans either. So still no word on that. I have to leave here and head to a softball practice. And what I need are coach pitch pitchers, coaches who have pitched in leagues before, to hit me up over the weekend on Twitter at the Chad Withrow, and let me know how to throw accurately from 35 feet off a mound in softball for someone who's never obviously played softball at that level. Fast pitch it's softball flat, I'm talking yeah. about. To a group of seven and eight-year-old girls. It is flat, but the rules state one foot has to be on the mound as you throw it, which isn't a huge deal. I've thrown from a mound before. you have to throw underhanded. Have to throw underhanded. Cannot go overhanded. And, uh, yeah, it's very, very difficult. Well, it's practice for a year you ago, as well. Like, it, was, it was tricky at times, but with the girls who typically got hits, you know, it wasn't that hard because you can kind of go – it was probably about halfway between where I am now, maybe not quite halfway, a little bit further back than halfway. But they made you a little line. That was, that's where you pitch from in this league. Paul, you were talking about – and I want you to show the camera also as you're describing it. Because I love the mechanics of how you would well, pitch when in, I, in when baseball. When I pitched in baseball, I did all arm and just threw from my elbow darts like this. And then when I needed and it's, to it's get a little a dart, bit. it's literally a dart yeah. throwing motion. And Because it was very consistent. And then when I needed maybe to get a little bit more into it, rather than striding with my opposite foot like you would, like your left foot, I did it with my right foot. Because I, I, I didn't put any juice on the ball. Yeah, really. it's like you'd throw a chess pass in basketball. You step, if you're right-handed, you step with the right foot when you throw it. When so you pass I it. was suggesting that, but you don't feel like you could do it. I would I try, try it. it was, I wish we had a camera on us in studio during the break. Was I was trying to go through the motions, and I'm like, I can't mentally, physically, I can't get myself to throw that accurately off the wrong foot in stepping in that direction. But it is a challenge to throw from a distance underhand and flat. Well, here's the so big that's challenge. that's what you're trying like to figure I, out. Yeah, I can throw it 
I can throw it consistently, but it's going to come in in a slight lob where I'm getting it at least where they could hit it, and it's not going to hit them. If I throw it on a line, I'm not confident with my accuracy that it's not either going to go low and in the dirt or I'm going to hit them or go way outside. So I can consistently get it in a velocity that's going to be a slight arc in, into Are a strike zone. Are there some of them right? that can handle the slight arc? We're going to find out tonight. Uh, so first practice, this is practice number two. First practice, I took them in the cage, and I could throw to them from a short distance and just see what they, they had. Um, at the end of practice, I let every girl come up and bat once, and we did legit three strikes or five pitches, and uh, I think two of the – Two of the girls maybe hit it fair. You know, they fouled off a couple, but that's not because of their lack of ability. As it's because of yours. It's a, it's a lot about my lack of ability, too. Where I did not have that problem a year ago when we're pitching from shorter. So I need any and all pointers I can get from moms or dads who have coached and pitched in softball from 35 feet. That's where the mound is like now, in 35 real life. feet. Can I get this camera? Like in real life. There's trouble brewing for the Red Sox. Oh, there's trouble. There's trouble for the big league Red Sox for sure. Um, it's not. It's funny because we had a great season in spring ball, and we've all moved up into a league. And about half my team consists of girls that I coached in the last league. <clears throat> but I'm having to reset expectations because we knew going into that league, based on our fall ball performance, we shouldn't lose a game. I mean, that was kind of what we all thought going into it with the team we had and we got to keep everyone, I'm now having to tell those same parents we're in rebuild mode. Can like, I get this camera I, again? I'm, I'm announcing rebuild mode unlike the Seattle Seahawks announcing. Like in real life, the Red Sox are having to reset expectations. We are. It's, uh, it's going to be a struggle because the parents are going to have to accept the fact that this could be, be there's going to be some bumps in the You'll road. You'll be fine. I'm very diligent. These in other fact, teams are dealing with the same thing. You know. I'm going to show you right now. I actually have my practice plan. Written out and it's ready to go. It's quite a binder. Might be time for a new binder. Um, this is it right here. That's it. This is all I need. That's good that These it's are my written notes. so softly this that nobody could zoom in on I've that got one, it. two, three, four, five periods. different stations and periods of practice over the course of an hour and a half. And we're going to get through this and we're going to learn how to dominate. I feel like we dominated this week. I really do. It was a lot of fun. Thank you all who watched. Thank you all who listened on our radio network. It's been a blast. Hutton, he's been away on special assignment. I need to get a new binder. Hutton will be back with us on Monday, and we're going to have plenty to talk about on Outkick 360. Thanks to our crew also who's been terrific this week. Paul, some words. My weekend consists of two practices during nice. which I won't block the box, and I will be locking my locks. See ya! <laughs>